That was a beautiful, beautiful depiction of why we do what we do. Aren't you thankful? I'm not much on tradition for tradition's sake, but I love traditions that have deep-rooted meaning and that have relevance to us, and that certainly does. I'm so thankful. I just have a short message I want to bring to you this morning. I'm going to be looking at the book of Matthew. Don mentioned probably four points in his uh, message that he brought that you're going to hear again this morning. I just love that when that happens. The book of Matthew is one of my favorite books in the Bible, along with Exodus, which I think is my number one favorite, Leviticus. I love all those do's and don'ts and measurements and lineages and all that stuff. And the book of John is so precious as well. But today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to walk us through quickly. Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. Now that in itself is such a hard thing for us to imagine. But there was a reason God led him into the wilderness that at that time to be tempted. And the Bible says that he had fasted and prayed for 40 days and afterwards he was hungry. You know, I read that when people go on a long fast, hunger leaves the body after the third day and it doesn't return until the 40th day. Isn't that amazing? Jesus fasted 40 days and afterward he was hungry. It's always the devil's business to attack when there's any kind of hunger in us, whatever that kind of hunger might be. And it was no different with Jesus. First, Satan tempts him with the obvious, the needful thing, food to quiet his physical hunger. But Jesus, instead of giving in to this physical desire for food, opposed Satan with the word of God. Verse 4 says, For it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. One for Jesus. He won that battle easily. And when Satan realized that he had failed that attempt, he tried another approach. He took Jesus to the top of the temple, on top of the building in Jerusalem, and the commentary said that the pinnacle was 700 feet to the bottom of the, 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 the ground, the floor of the valley, 700 feet high. And this time, Satan confronts his identity and tempts him with suicide. Verse 6, mocking. He said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up 
lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Verse 7, that was a quote from Psalm 91. Verse 7, Jesus knew that Satan had misquoted that scripture. But again, he controlled his temptation, or his temper, about his identity, and he answered him once again with the power of the word of God. And notice in verse 7, he says, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Meaning to say, if you're going to quote scripture to me, you better get it right, Satan. As a matter of fact, one of the versions I looked at had a, a similar thought to that. But once again, the failed deceiver took Jesus even higher, to an exceeding high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, all these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Now we recoil at that because we know that God is over all. But Satan was given jurisdiction of the power of the air. You remember this. So he was within his right to say, you fall down and worship me and I will give you all that you see here. But look at verse 10. <laughs> this time, Jesus was using his divine power and authority over Satan. And he said, get thee hence, Satan. And then he used the word of God once again, for it is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And finally in verse 11, then the devil left. And behold, the angels came and ministered unto Jesus by using the word of God, his power and authority given to him by God, and the faith that God had his back, Jesus prevailed in this temptation. I wanted to refresh this in our minds because if you go a little further into the chapter and look at verse 17, it says, from that time, well, what time? The time after the temptation, Jesus began to preach. And what was his message? He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pretty short and sweet message. And from this point forward, Jesus began his earthly ministry based on the word his identity as the only begotten son sent by the father and the demonstration of the power of the holy spirit if you flip over to matthew 10 verse 1 it says and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and use the power of the Holy Ghost to cast out the demons, 
to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That was Jesus' message, and he equipped his team to do the same. Verse 5 and 6 <clears throat> says, Go not, in chapter 10, Go not the way of the Gentiles, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils, for freely you have received, now freely give. So Jesus designed their mission to be that of preaching the gospel, the word of God. God will not tolerate sin. Repent so that you can be in the kingdom of heaven and the demonstration of the power through the miracles that he named of casting out the demons, healing the sick and the diseased. So he covered both the gospel, the preaching of the word against sin and redemption, and the demonstration of the power of God. And he sent the disciples to Israel. Now, if you want to flip over to Romans chapter 15, Paul said of himself that I should be, uh, 15 verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ, where? To the Gentiles. God sent the disciples to Israel, but he sent Paul on the road to Damascus, he called him to the Gentiles. And he said that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, that they may come to repentance and be acceptable, being sanctified, by the Holy Ghost. There are over 77 scriptures in the Bible that name Paul as a minister to the Gentiles. It's interesting that when he went into a city, he Paul was a Jew. He always went to the Jewish synagogue first, introduced himself to the, to the leadership of that city, and ministered in the, in the temple to the Jews but then he fulfilled his calling and he went out to the byways and to the Gentile nations and he preached Christ to the Gentiles. If you want to flip again, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 18, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 18. Paul is admonishing these Christians at Corinth as Don... Uh, made clear there were things going on there that shouldn't be going on. And Paul said, I am the father of faith for you. You have many teachers. You've already heard the gospel. You've heard the fundamentals and you know them. But I am the father of the gospel to you and I'm here to tell you a few things. If we look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Now some are puffed up 
as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul said here, I've already preached to you the gospel of repentance. You've heard it. Sure, I can come and correct your mistakes, which are many now because you've let sin creep in. I've heard about them, and they shouldn't even be named among the saints of Christ, followers. But I've instructed you already what to do about that. Remember, Paul told them, cast away those who are doing such things. Do not even eat with them in the event that God can deal with their hearts and turn them back to Christ. The isolation of not eating with the sinners is what Paul was stressing here. Don't hobnob with them. We don't want that kind of distraction and diversion. We want the Lord to be able to single them out and turn their heart back to Christ. In verse 21, he asks them, so you choose. Wouldn't you rather I come in meekness, demonstrating the power of God, rather than coming to correct for sin, which you can do yourself because you know the law. You know the gospel. He said, no, but I will prove to you my calling through the demonstration of the power of God. And that's my message to you for today. That's what we're here for. Yes, of course, we follow Jesus and Paul's examples. We teach the word. We know the ways of repentance. We know that the kingdom of God cannot tolerate sin entering in. It's a fundamental and we stand for it. As Audrey sang this morning, we stand up for Jesus and all that he came to accomplish on our behalf. But Jesus said, preach the gospel and show them my power. And Paul said, I am coming to you to show you power because I've already preached the gospel unto you. I just want to share with you, my heart is crying out for this demonstrable power and presence of God. I want him to show off in front of us I want him to show us who he is. I want us to be able to recognize in our lives, God did this. This was the power of God meeting me where I am, where the rubber meets the road. We're not here to tout our own wares. We're not here like Paul told the Corinthians. You're all puffed up because you think you have gifts and you have anointings. You know nothing yet. We're not here to tout our own wares, no. I want it to be the Lord. I want it to be God's dem demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit among us. 
Go on and read the rest of that chapter and you'll see this is what Paul was talking about when he told them they were puffed up. You know, sometimes we don't know what to say to those who we may consider to not be in the fold of Christ. Jesus said, tell them to repent. It's pretty simple, pretty down to earth, pretty straightforward. Repent, because time is short. We don't beat around the bush. We don't play with words. We don't try to impress with our own knowledge, not even our own knowledge of the word, no. Repent, because this is what's required of you to go to heaven. Oh, but the power. Oh, the Holy Ghost power that delivers bound lives. Don't you want to see it? The power that is over all manner of disease, all manner of sickness, that makes people well and whole. That's what we want to see. That's what our message is today. Oh God, bring the power and your demonstration to us here. If you would turn to the song, the power, there's power in the blood. I was asking the Lord, Father, how am I going to end this message? This power is, I don't know what uh, page it is in your book. I'm sorry, I didn't look it up. If somebody has it, you can call it out. 349. 349, thank you, Audrey. This power that we're talking about is so real. So real. And it comes from the shed blood of Jesus that we just acknowledged and remembered. Both the words and the music of this hymn were written during a camp meeting at Mountain Lake Park, Maryland, by Lewis Jones. Jones was a California native, and he graduated from the Moody Bible Institute, and he spent his vocational life with the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA. On the side, he wrote hymns. This was his best known, and it is particularly effective in resisting the wiles of the devil. One day as a missionary, Dick Hillis preached in a Chinese village. Listen to this. His sermon was suddenly interrupted by a piercing cry. Everyone rushed toward the scream and Dick's co-worker, Mr. Kong, whispered that an evil spirit had seized a man. Dick, not having previously encountered a demon possession, didn't believe him. But just then, a woman rushed towards them. I beg you, please, she cried, an evil spirit has possessed the father of my children 
and it is trying to kill him. The two evangelists stopped their meeting and entered the house, stepping over a filthy old dog lying in the doorway. The, mo the room was charged with a sense of evil. An evil spirit had surely possessed Farmer Ho, Kong told the onlookers. Our God, the nothing he cannot do one more time is more powerful than any spirit and he will deliver this man. But first, you must promise that you will burn your idols and that you will trust in Jesus, the son of the supreme emperor, words that she would understand. And the people nodded, and Kong asked Dick to begin singing this hymn. There is power in the blood. With great hesitation, Dick began to sing. Would you be free from your burden of sin? Now, continued Kong, in the name of Jesus, we will command the evil spirit to leave this man. Kong began fervently praying. Suddenly, the mangy, dirty dog lying in the doorway vaulted up into the air, screeching and yelping and whirling in circles snapping wildly at his tail. Kong continued the prayer, and the dog abruptly dropped dead. Instantly, Dick remembered the passage of scripture in Luke 8. The demons of the Gadarene who invisibly flew from the demon-possessed man into the herd of swine, and they drove them off the cliff into the sea. And as Kong finished praying, Farmer Ho seemed quiet and relaxed, and soon he was strong enough to burn his idols. At his baptism, shortly afterward, he testified, I was possessed by an evil spirit who boasted to me that he'd already killed five people and he was going to kill me next. But God sent Mr. Kong just at the right moment and in Jesus' name, I am free. There is power in the blood. I hope this has different meaning than just a peppy song that we've sang all of our Christian lives. I have since I was a little girl, probably one of the first I could recite every word of. But now we know the power and where it came from. It is real and I wanna see it. Will you stand with us this morning? Just 
But you commissioned, O oh Lord, you commissioned the workers to go out and to preach the gospel and the demonstration of your power. Oh Lord, I ask today if there's one here who needs to feel the power of Jesus in you today, that you reach out to him. Lord, let your power fall upon us this morning, Lord. That wonderful power in the blood of Jesus that cleanses hearts, sets people free from demonic oppression and possession, and Lord, that heals every manner of disease and sickness. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, and we seek it, Lord. We contend for it, Lord, with all that is within us. It is our goal, Lord Jesus, to see your power poured out among us in a mighty, strong way, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We just thank you today for your love and your mercy. We thank you for this power, Lord Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us, for leading us into the ways of power in Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, we thank you for it. Oh, Lord, and now we ask, oh, God, that your countenance shine upon each one that we go in peace following you, Lord, and that we look for your power to be evident and demonstrated in every life, Lord Jesus, as we go forth from this place. And we ask that power to cover every sickness, heal every body, heal every disease, Lord, that we come back whole, and pure before you in Jesus name amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus and I'll see you in two weeks <laughs>